To the blackout coming to you on bellyupsports.com. It is time for a week six pick 'em pod. And as always, we are here with you for every step of the ride. Alan Denton can be found on Twitter at AD on the blackout. I am Thomas Black. You can find me at TB on the blackout. Alan, how are you doing post week five as we head deeper into the college football season? Bro, I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling pretty dang good. This week was <laughs> unlike you. This week was uh, very kind, very, very kind to me. So I'm feeling much better after this week as opposed to what I was feeling beforehand. Very kind to you. And I'll just say, man, you're rubbing dirt in the wound because it was not a pretty week for me. A lot of it was just being on the wrong side of stuff. And there was a nice little bit of it that was uh, faulty overlook by me mistakes that really cost me big time we'll get into that as the show goes on but sir you had a really great week hey i needed something to kind of vault back up and these weeks are going to happen again it's only going to get more difficult as time goes along you got plenty of time to jump back in it <laughs> we'll see as we go alan let's go ahead and jump into the ats pick'em over on cbs sports now because of the smu ucf postponement we ended up with only nine games on the slate in both our confidence pick them on ESPN and the CBS Sports ATS pick them. So, Alan, against the spread, you went five and four this week, a winning week. The wins were Michigan minus 10.5, Wake Forest plus 6.5 as an ATS lock, Mississippi State minus 3.5 as an ATS lock, Washington State minus 4.5, and, and Oklahoma State plus 2.5. The losses were Ole Miss minus 6.5, Oklahoma minus 6.5. Iowa State minus three and a half and NC State plus six and a half. Allen, the ATS locks going two and O in the week puts you up to six and four on the season, hitting at 60%. Your overall winning percentage is sitting at right about 45%, going 22 and 27 in your ATS picks overall. But Allen, that is the trend we like to see. The fact that your best plays are coming out with a better winning percentage then your overall picks is a really good thing you're up to a tie for 14th in the standings only five games off the lead like you said you've got to be feeling pretty good right yeah absolutely when you look back and think about the couple of locks that i had i had state over texas a&m and they ended up winning by 18 which more than covered that spread and if you look at that game mississippi state controlled that from the go second quarter they get out 14 and they were the better team in many, many ways. Outgained AM by a good bit and uh, forced a couple of turnovers and were easily able to clear the Aggies at home, which I was happy for that one. Yeah, it was huge. I think you had this one pegged perfectly. The loss of Anaya Smith for Texas A&M was really, really big. And outside of what I talked about, maybe with a poor offensive performance, maybe some turnovers, it really did feel like the Bulldogs were the right side. I agreed with you. I had the same play, but really a nice lock on the week to get that win. Yeah, exactly. I needed to get a couple of them back, and especially after the rough week four. And as we turned the page, it was nice to kind of snap and clear a little bit. 
Most definitely. You also had Wake Forest plus the six and a half. And you talked about that one very quickly as a gut reaction, not liking at all the Florida State Seminoles as a six and a half point favorite. And there was no doubt about this one that Wake Forest was the right side. That Sam Hartman quarterback led team was really, really good on the road at Florida State. And it wasn't as if Jordan Travis was bad, right? He still threw for nearly 300 yards and three touchdowns. But this was Hartman's team. A.T. Perry was too much to handle with almost 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. All along, this was Wake's game to control. They jumped out to a 21-7 halftime lead and were able to just kind of milk it. With that extended mesh point, they just ran the ball and ran the ball, and they just milked that clock down to when there was really nothing left for Florida State to be able to do. They out-possessed uh, and this is not something you normally see with a fast-paced team. They outpossessed Florida State by right at 10 minutes, basically. I thought that was a big deal coming down the stretch as Florida State tried to come back. That one was a big one, and not just this one, but the confidence pick. It was a big swing week in, in that regard. Most definitely. Alan, on my side, I had pretty much the exact same week as you. I went 5-4 and four in my ATS picks as well. The wins were Michigan minus 10.5 as an ATS lock, Kentucky plus 6.5, Wake Forest plus 6.5, Mississippi State minus 3.5, and and Clemson minus 6.5. The losses were Oklahoma minus 6.5, Iowa State minus 3.5, Cal plus 4.5 as an ATS lock, and Baylor minus 2.5. I only went 1-1 in my ATS locks, but that did improve my overall record on the season, bringing me to 4-6 after a couple of rough weeks that I've had. But that brings me to 40% on the ATS locks. Not exactly where I want to be, but I feel like we can improve that as the season goes along. I'm in the exact same spot Alan is at 22 and 27 in the overall picks in the ATS pick them over on CBS Sports. So I am also in a tie for 14th and five games back off the lead. Alan, for my side of things, I love that I've hit now twice on ATS locks picking against the Iowa Hawkeyes offense. That's cash for me, both in the Iowa State game earlier this year and now Michigan. And uh, I really do think that I had a reasonable good play with the Cal play plus four and a half points. I mean, this thing was seven to three at halftime in favor of Washington State. And early in the fourth quarter, this is a 14 to nine game. So I feel like I really didn't have a bad play on that one, even though the score got a little out of hand. But you even went against me on my ATS lock. And man, when we've had some good records, that's sometimes a risky thing to do. But in the games we talked about against the spread, you ended up going 4-0 in those. I went 3-1. and Overall, though, it was a solid week with what we gave out here on the podcast. We're only given the finest stuff, right? Like this isn't the McDonald's crap that we got in the back. This is the fine China that we're bringing out. No doubt about it. We're looking to do it each and every week. We will have some blips on the radar that don't go so well. But Alan, one of the things we have to highlight is now if people have followed our picks each and every week of the season, that means if they've gone exactly with what we've said, including our lock party loss when we were on Clemson against Wake Forest, Everybody would go 10 and 9 in the games that we've picked so far. Hey, you may not think that sounds all that great, but right now we're hitting at a 52% clip overall if you followed each and every one of our picks. 
And right now, 52% would land you in a top five spot on the Pick'em leaderboard against the spread on CBS Sports. So, Alan, that's the key we're talking about. We are trying to give a baseline percentage that really helps our listeners land in a good spot. And right now, we're doing that with that winning percentage just north of 52%. For us coming in first time, trying to experiment with this along the way, I think we're proving ourselves to be uh, pretty adept at it already. It certainly feels like it, and I hope we can keep it up as we go. Right now, our ATS leaders are all tied at 27 and 22 on the leaderboard. And currently, through five weeks, we have seven people now over 500 on the leaderboard. But like we said, our locks are putting people right up there in contention if you're able to maintain that over and above with your own picks. Right now, we have... Kristen, Derek, and Heath tied atop the leaderboard. Kristen, once again, my wife, shout out, good job. She would actually take first place if we ended it this week because she was only one point off the tiebreaker score. That leader is going to walk away with a $100 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. Derek would land in second place with a $50 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. And Heath would land in third place. No tiebreaker given for him. So that is one thing we have to watch out for, Alan. We need to practice with these tiebreakers because they could determine the types of prizes people walk away with at the end of this thing, closing out the 2022 season. That's a big deal. Well, you don't want to be left in the dust at the end because you forgot a tiebreaker, you know? That just would not be cool. But kudos to all those guys, 27 and 22. It's pretty remarkable. That means if you're doing the real betting stuff, you're making pretty decent money doing that. It is certainly the case. Alan, let's move over to ESPN.com and look at the confidence side. This past week, you had a strong week as well. You went 7-2 and two in your picks, picking up 34 points. The wins were Michigan at a 9, Washington State at a 7, Ole Miss at a 6, Mississippi State at a 5, Clemson at a 4 as a confidence value pick, Oklahoma State at a 2 as a confidence value pick, and Wake Forest at a 1. The losses were Oklahoma at an 8 and Iowa State at a 3. Overall now on the season, you are 35-14. and 14. You've got 197 points. You're in a tie for 6th, and Allen only 5 points off the lead right now as we head into Week 6. I'm back. <laughs> I love it, man. But how about Oklahoma just totally laying an egg? That was just an embarrassing effort. And I don't want to hear, I'm sorry that Dylan Gabriel got hurt, but that had no impact on this game. Ended up being a 55-24 TCU win. The game was already 34-10 to when Dylan Gabriel got hurt. This was just embarrassing Brent Venables has now been introduced to big boy coaching as a head coach, and he has <laughs> hit a brick wall for a little bit. And we'll see what this week plays out for him. But how about Max Dugan and company? He was amazing this past week, absolutely killing him. Had over 300 yards and three touchdowns through the air and was effective on the ground as well. Get this TCU had. Over 660 yards of total offense. Yes, sir. Just remarkable. Did not get this one anywhere close to right. This one stung, but I never saw it being this bad. So, (laughs) lesson learned. No doubt about it, Alan. That one really stings as, really, I think that's your only bad play on the week. You know, you had Oklahoma at an eight. 
I was much more skeptical about Oklahoma after their loss to Kansas State. I had them what I thought much more properly valued at a four, but it came with a really bad week overall. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but you also hit on a confidence value play with Oklahoma State and an upset win against Baylor. That was a big time get for you, even at a two point value. Huge deal. A lot of people had Baylor much higher than I was comfortable with. I mean, I remember last week, you were kind of shocked at me going with Oklahoma State on the road. Spencer Sanders played well enough, right? He wasn't unbelievable, fairly efficient, 20 to 29, 181 yards, a touchdown and interception, but was very effective on the ground. He was their leading rusher with 75 yards and a touchdown. But this all came down to the fact that Oklahoma State was able to turn over Blake shape at two different times with interceptions. Those were costly interceptions. Oklahoma State made a play, returning a kickoff for a touchdown. They were able to get a safety. Oklahoma State's defense was ultimately what took care of business on the road and is one of the main reasons I'm now back in that top 10 area. Solid standing for you. For me, not so much. On the confidence side, Alan, I went an ugly three and six in my picks. 16 points, the absolute worst score of anyone in the group who actually got their picks in. And uh, there's reason for it, certainly that plays against my strategy and my picks in the contest. And there's also a little bit of bad luck that is also my fault because I didn't catch up. But we'll talk about that. Michigan at a nine was a win. Mississippi State at a six was a win. And my final play that was a win was Washington State at a one as a confidence value pick. And Allen, on the losses, I had (laughs) NC State at an eight. We'll talk about that. Iowa State at a seven as a confidence value pick. That stung. Baylor at a five. Oklahoma at a four. Florida State at a three. And Kentucky at a two. Allen, this one hurt really bad every which way you should have looked. 16 points is hideous. It's embarrassing. And uh, it puts me in a spot where I'm now 31 and 18 over all my picks. I have 184 points, tied for 26th, and 18 points off the lead. But I emphasize the NC State pick so, 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 so much. Because if you remember, on the ATS side, I had the Clemson Tigers minus six and a half. I got that pick right. Last week on the podcast, you talked about dropping the Clemson Tigers in value. I talked about, no, sir, I'm putting the Clemson Tigers up in value. I talked about putting them at a nine on my board when we had 10 games on our slate. When a game dropped off, that naturally dropped Clemson to an eight. But Alan, Saturday morning came. I was looking at my picks one last time. I felt like I clicked something wrong. I glanced at the wrong game or two and thought, nope, everything's just fine. The games went on throughout the day. I never returned and looked at anything. And then as the night hit 7.30 or later, Clemson and NC State were about to kick off. And I thought, hey, real quick before this game kicks off, I'm going to check out where the picks land because I know most people are going to be on Clemson, but I want to find out who's on NC State. And all of a sudden I came to my name with eight daggum points on NC State. So earlier in the day, I in fact did make a switch, but I didn't catch it. I was on NC State, even though I fully intended to have Clemson at the eight points. And to me, that is a huge, huge difference. Because instead of 184 points, I could be at 192. I could just be 10 points off the lead. I could be in the top 15 instead of the top 30. Man, this one really piles on top of me every which way I look at it. Oh, it's brutal. I mean, it doesn't matter which way you cut it, buddy. 
Uh, we've all been there, <laughs> but that is there is no more helpless feeling in the world than seeing that you've accidentally clicked something incorrectly and it's locked in. Yeah. And you know it's it's not gonna work. That game was really interesting for more than a half. Ended up being a 10-point spread, and I moved it down a little too low, to be honest with you. Even though I got the points right, that wasn't rightly valued in my book. They were always kind of in control, especially after halftime. Mm-hmm. If they had have scored that touchdown going into the half, that could have been a different game because NC State had some mo going into halftime if not for dju just leading the charge back down the field so in some ways i was kind of rooting for you but also one of those four (laughs) points i've really felt bad for you more than anything else it's just pure pity Uh, i really felt bad for myself it felt like it took i don't know 24 48 hours to shake this thing off and i think i'm okay now but uh, I will say this, for those of you who listen to this podcast and have listened now for a couple of seasons, Alan and I tend to change the way we pick depending on where we are in the standings. But I'm going to say, look, I know I was on the right side of this game. I had Clemson. I should have had Clemson. I should have gotten my eight points. I didn't do it. I'm not going to lie about it and pretend like I've got more than I do, but I'm also going to continue playing straight up. You know, I'm going to look for playing a normal, not super aggressive pick slate for at least the next handful of weeks because I really feel like I've been in a good spot with a lot of my picks, and uh, I don't think it would do justice to our listeners to say, hey, I'm just going to start slinging a bunch of stuff at the board just to try and make up the ground that I lost, especially with that Clemson-NC State game. Right. Alan, some of the other ones that really hurt me, I ended up late, late in the week, taking Kentucky at a two over Ole Miss. And man, they botched this game and found every which way to lose it. They had a blocked extra point. They mishandled a snap on an extra point. They took a safety in a bad situation where they really shouldn't have been giving up points to the defense. Barry and Brown, their awesome kickoff returner, tripped over his own blocker in a scenario where it sounds like everybody who saw that game live on the field, the camera angle wasn't great on TV, so I couldn't tell 100%, but everybody who was there sounded like he was going to score a touchdown for sure and put Kentucky ahead late in that game. Kentucky ended up not scoring on that drive, even though they were in plus territory. They turned the ball over two times late in this game in Ole Miss territory, And they even had the touchdown pass that would be a go-ahead score, potentially the game winner, that was negated by having a receiver not get lined up right before the snap. Really, it sounds like it's on him, but it was really on Will Levis for snapping the ball, getting the snap too quickly. And uh, man, this one really, really hurt because there are a lot of people who got a lot of points on Ole Miss, but it could have turned out at a really good spot for me had Kentucky found a way to not just throw this one in the dumpster. Oh my gosh. But that's, Will Levis for you, man. He he's found <laughs> that number one pick or whatever has continued to just find a way to do stupid stuff, and that's exactly what he did consistently at the end of that game. He is responsible for that loss. I still think Ole Miss was the better team, but there were some things that they did not do particularly well. They did not put this game away when they could have. But they made some plays, and Will Levis was more than willing to allow them to take that game from him. This rough on you, but that was one that made my wife happy because she's a hottie potty fan. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's it crazy. And I love that Lane trolled everybody by on his post game when t- talking about how great their defense must have been to stop the number one pick in the country. Mm. 
Well, when you have the offensive line that Kentucky does, you can put a big hurt on Mm. a quarterback, no matter who it is, in the backfield like Kentucky has so far this year. Very, very true, bro. All right, Alan, the only other game to highlight that we talked about was Iowa State and Kansas. This is one that I put a lot of points on. It was a confidence value pick. I ended up with the Cyclones at a seven. They outgained Kansas by 100 yards. They lost the turnover battle two to one. And Alan, they missed three field goals. And if you told me before kickoff, if you told Iowa State fans before kickoff, if you told anybody before kickoff, they were going to hold Kansas to 14 points and 213 yards. I think a lot of people would have been pushing Iowa State up in value on their board exactly like I did. I think I had this thing pegged. I think I had it in the right spot. Of course, I lost the points, and people who picked Kansas picked them up, but uh, I really feel justified in the way I picked this game. It was a big contribution to my poor pick and slate on the confidence side in week five. Yeah, that was a tough one, dude. It really, really was. I was with you on that, and they just couldn't get it done. 14 to 11, just a terrible score. But yeah, that was tough as well. Our confidence leader on the season is Alex. He is 33 and 16 in his picks. He's got 202 points. And Alan, his lead has been trimmed to one point. So he had a sizable lead last week, uh, but he has been a solid contender up at the top of the leaderboard. But that top five, top six, top 10 has really started to get compressed as we've gone deeper into the season. I find that really interesting after some larger leads earlier. It's a long season. And to be honest with you, to be on top this early, it's hard to maintain being on top, man. Heavy is the, the head that wears the crown. No doubt about it. Alan, let's go ahead and shift over to our picks for this week's Pick'em Pod. And let's start on the CBS Sports Pick'em like we always do against the spread. You, sir, had the better week last week than I did by a long shot. So why don't you take us away with your first ATS lock this week? All right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I do not think that this Kansas team is all that it's cracked up to be. It took a horrendous game for Iowa State to end up losing that one, even in Lawrence. And this TCU team just absolutely schlobber-knockered Oklahoma last week. I think this has all the makings of TCU being able to score all kinds of points on an overwhelmed Kansas team, even though college game day is finally going. I've got Sonny Cumbie and Max Dugan and the TCU Horn Frogs covering that six and a half point spread as my first lock against the spread. I like it, Alan. This is not an against the spread lock for me, but I considered it. I do like TCU and this high-powered offense. You talked about their 600 yards they exploded for against Oklahoma. We've already talked about this Kansas defense that I don't think either one of us thinks is very good. And if you break down that offensive performance from Duggan and company against Oklahoma a week ago, they put up over 300 passing yards. They also put up over 300 rushing yards. This thing is really clicking for them. And uh, I don't know, maybe they don't do as well offensively against Kansas. Maybe Kansas has a better defense than Oklahoma because that thing has been terrible the last couple of weeks. But I like the side of betting on TCU as well. I think they're going to score a lot of points, and it's just a matter of whether Kansas can match them as far as whether you would actually consider going on Kansas plus the points. So I'm with you. I'm going to be on TCU minus the six and a half as well this week. Hey, let's lock that baby in then. 
Let's do it. Alan, for my ATS lock over on CBS Sports that I'm giving away here on the Pick'em Pod, I am looking at a Pac-12 matchup that has the Utah Utes as a four and a half point favorite at the UCLA Bruins. And Alan, I am very interested to see how this matchup goes down. We had on paper before the season started a tough physical football team with the Utah Utes. But Alan, I think there are some questions about that. We saw them in week one give up 451 yards at Florida in a loss. They gave up 283 of that on the ground at 7.3 yards per clip. Anthony Richardson and Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne all got going big time on the ground against Utah. Then this past week, even in a win against Oregon State, 42-16, they gave up 417 yards. They were outgained but got bailed out by a bunch of Beaver turnovers. They even gave up 171 yards on the ground at 4.6 yards a clip. Now, Alan, I think this all points to UCLA having some success offensively. Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet have been awesome, both averaging well over six yards per carry. DTR even averaging over seven yards per carry. Jake Bobo has been a surprise transfer who's been great as a receiver. Over 17 yards of reception so far this season. He blew up last week in the win against Washington. And DTR has thrown 11 touchdowns to only one interception so far this year. So, Alan, I think the athleticism of Thompson Robinson and the backfield shared with Zach Charbonnet can really do some things maybe similar to what Anthony Richardson did in week one for Florida. I like what this UCLA offense is going to do under Chip Kelly in this matchup. Even on the defensive side of the ball, there's some things to like about this UCLA team. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his first name right, but Leatu Latu is tied for second nationally with six sacks. You give him the opportunity to come after Cam Rising. I think there's some potential there. This defense for UCLA has been good against the run. I think that's good against Utah. They haven't been good against the pass. That's a little bit of a concern, but I think when you look at this Utah team that hasn't been as good running the ball as I would have thought, Tavion Thomas, who I hyped up in the early part of the season, has only been running for 4.4 yards a carry. Cam Rising is a threat there with his legs at 8.2 yards a carry, but he's not some athletic freak that's going to burn you a bunch. His receiver core is pretty good. Devon Vele, Dalton Kincaid, and Brant Keithy are all solid, but I don't think this offense is as explosive as UCLA. So a UCLA team that I think we had some questions about before they played Washington last week, but again, a 40-32 to win there looks pretty good, but you break that thing down. Early in the third quarter, they led 33-10. to Late in the third, they led 40-16 to on their home field. I think this is a big one for UCLA to look for another chance to stay undefeated, regardless of whether it's a close shootout or anything like that. I like the UCLA Bruins plus four and a half points this week. You can lock it up on CBS Sports. Look at all the fighting Chip Kellys, man. This is one of those games that has big time Pac-12 championship ramifications, right? This is a really, really big deal. And having it in Pasadena, there may be more than 20 people there this time uh, (laughs) in this game. But particularly in that Washington game, UCLA was impressive. I agree with you that because Anthony Richardson and Florida were able to have such success on Utah, 
I feel like UCLA have the horses to be able to emulate that. So this is not one that I have as a lock. It's one that I'm still considering. But if this were in Utah, I think I'd feel differently. But I think at this point, I'm probably leaning your way. I like it. Alan, you mentioned a little bit more with Anthony Richardson. The thing to me is with that matchup as well, there are not a lot of games that Anthony Richardson has looked as good as he did early in the season. You know, he comes off that win against Utah. Everybody's talking about him as a Heisman Trophy favorite, but he has not replicated that performance outside of playing very well against Tennessee. So you talk about what defenses have allowed him to do. There's not a lot of teams that have allowed Anthony Richardson to look as good as he did against Utah. So I think that very much does favor an experienced athletic offense that UCLA brings into this matchup. And I think this could be a shootout as we go deep into the night. I agree. I see this one having a lot of points. Very, very much agreed. Alan, where are you going on the confidence pick over on ESPN? find a very interesting game for a lot of reasons just because it's two brand name teams historic teams but it's also interesting because when you look at the spreads of the board this week there are a lot essentially clumped together right if you just look at spreads at this point you've got a couple of games that are minus six and a half several games at minus three and a half and then a couple of games at minus three so finding differentiation in the midst of all of this, I think, is going to be pretty important. As I move over to confidence in this middle chunk, I'm moving up Notre Dame over BYU at home. Now, I realize that this Notre Dame team is not a juggernaut this year. It's just not. But BYU has not been the greatest on the road. It is hard for me to get that Oregon game with even Bo Nix looking like a superstar against this BYU team out of my mind. Again, Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite, which would put them in that four, five or six range. I'm putting them in that six, seven range, something along those lines. Jaron Hall is a good quarterback, but in my opinion, this Notre Dame defense is better. They'll be able to limit them. And I think they'll be able to do enough offensively. This will be a close game. I don't, anticipate Notre Dame winning by like 17 but I I do think this is one that at home they will find a way to do it go Golden Domers very very interesting I like a lot of what you're saying I haven't dug real real deep to find exactly where I'm going on this game I think this one's going to be lower on my board in value, but I think I'm also going to be on the side with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I just don't have a lot of confidence in what they've done offensively this year, and I know earlier in the season in one of those games that BYU struggled in, I think it was the one against Oregon, they were missing a couple of defensive linemen that were out of that game. I'm going to do just a little bit of more research on where they are health-wise and that kind of thing, but I think we could see a tight, lower-scoring game And like you're saying, I think this Notre Dame defense does hold the potential to limit the BYU offense. So I like a lot of what you're saying there. I'm probably going to be on the side with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It's probably just going to be a little bit lower on my board, possibly in the lower, I don't know, third of my board or so. And I really do get that. So I looked at this one. This is one that I just get that sense in looking at teams and styles that this is a game that probably eight out of 10 times they find a way to win. And when you're looking for a little bit of differentiation in these types of games, that's the type of thing that helps me feel a little bit better 
with it. Even though when you look at just the picks in ESPN, a lot of people are on BYU. So you may be able to get value in picking Notre Dame. So I just find it very, very interesting as you look at that one. That is a huge one. A lot of people have ingrained in their minds what Notre Dame did early in the season. You know, the loss to Marshall, the loss to Ohio State where they only scored 10 points. So much bad publicity for them across networks like ESPN. But now they've kind of evened out a little bit. They still have a lot of talent on their team. And like you're talking about those percentages, people have burned in their brains as well that BYU is a good football team but they're an underdog on the road. Not a lot of people look at that. The fact that you can catch a three and a half point favorite with not a lot of people picking them in an ESPN pick that's a big thing to watch for. Absolutely. All right, Alan, on the confidence value pick on my side for the ESPN pick I'm going to stay with the same matchup I did in my ATS lock. I'm looking at Utah on the road at UCLA. I find it a little bit interesting that over on CBS Sports, our line opened at Utah minus four and a half on the road. It has since dropped to Utah minus three and a half on the road at UCLA. And Alan, if you were to follow the spread over on the confidence pick them on ESPN, you would put the Utes at a four through a six. But Alan, like I said, I really like what I think this UCLA offense can do to the Utah defense. I think home field advantage is a big part in this one, and I really do think UCLA has a big opportunity to win this game on their home field to move to 6-0. and oh, I'm going to be taking the Bruins this week. It's going to be later into the week before I really decide exactly where they land on my board, but I feel like I can take the Bruins with an explosive offense potentially as high as a 4. That's where I have them right now on my board. I will debate about whether I should drop that a point or two, but it's going to stick right in that 3 or four range, something like that, come week six. And you talk about a massive win for the Pac-12. If they can manage to salvage this year with having UCLA become part of the playoff conversation, I think they would take that in a heartbeat, you know, especially with the way that that thing started off with Oregon and Utah taking it right on the nose. Um, UCLA has the best uniforms in football, and it's hard to root against them. And other than all the football stuff, I feel like God is at work and making that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Going against all the football stuff, does that mean you're going with Utah in this matchup? Uh, No, I I don't know where I'm going. I kind of like UCLA in this one as well. I I haven't fully decided. And in these kind of games, I typically like a team that's playing particularly well, that's a little more battle-tested. And I think UCLA's had a decent schedule up to this point. And I love the fact that they've got a senior quarterback that knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. In the first two or three years of DTR, you could not say that, but the last couple of years, he has really turned a corner. He protects the football. He of course impacts the game with his athleticism. He has really turned into a really, really solid college football quarterback. Yeah, he really, really has. Gotta love the sissy blues too. I love those uniforms, man. (laughs) Frank, I love them. All right, Alan, are you ready for a bonus pick'em pod? Yeah, let's do it. You got any tidbits that you can drop for the people on what's coming without giving anything away on your pick'em board? I think I'm going to circle the wagons a little bit and go back to a place that I think should have won a game last week. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. I'm going to be looking inside the Big 12 and the SEC for an ATS pick and a confidence value pick over 
on the Bonus Pick'em Pod. So you can join us over there if you subscribe to The Blackout on Patreon at a walk-on tier or higher. That's just $2.50 a month or higher, and we'll get those picks for you here shortly. Alan, thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again in just a minute. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.